Let's pray for goodness he comes to bring God's word to us. Father, we thank you uh, for this story that we've heard unraveled a little bit in terms of your story in Glynn and his wife Tori and in their family and about that sense of purpose, about your renewed sense of direction, about the questions uh, at different times, about the ongoing wrestling. Father, as uh, Glenn has been wrestling with your word this week, we pray for your anointing upon him and that you might indeed speak to us through him. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll start with a question then. So one of my questions at the moment is, why is it when Jesus says stuff in the Gospels, don't we do it? Yeah? Does that seem a reasonable question? Well, that's one of the questions I have at the moment. I, uh, you know, we're in a season uh, looking at prayer, aren't we? And um, I look at that and I, and I see what Jesus, you know, Jesus says. Jesus says in, in Luke... And in, and in Matthew, he says, when you pray. It doesn't say if. It doesn't say, well, when you feel like it. He says, when you pray. He expects us to pray. And that seems pretty okay. I think everyone would agree that that's, that's, a good, that, that's good. But do we take it seriously? What, um, what Roger gave me to talk on was, was, was do we keep at it? Do we keep on, keep on? And I came up with keep calm and carry on praying. And I like that because right now, you know, that's a thing that's been going around in the media, this keep calm and carry on stuff. And there's, there's an interesting thing to it, isn't there? In that it came out of the war, didn't it? The, the actual the, the, the sign that they're using and they're using for all their marketing and what have you. That's a very serious thing. And so is prayer. And I like how that connects together, because our prayer, do we take it seriously? Because if we look at what Jesus tells us about, so if you've got your Bibles, if not, that's all right, I'm going to read. Um, We're going to first start with Luke chapter 11, somewhere at the beginning. So as I've already said, Jesus said, so in, in verse 2 it says, he said to them, when you pray, say, and then it goes on to, into the Our Father pray, prayer. Well, I'm not going to go into the Our Father prayer today. Um, we could, and we could do a whole s- series on praying through the Our Father prayer. But that's not what I want to talk about today. He then goes on in verse 5, and he says, then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight, and he says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's locked already, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend... Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, 
Ask. This is Jesus, remember. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And it goes on. Now, as, as Roger spoke um, last week on when God says no, I'm not even going to go there. Okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at how we take our prayer seriously and how to do that and why we do that and how we get our answers and when God speaks. Because that's my experience through this walk with adoption and, and working with churches and planting churches and stuff like that. I've heard and God has spoken to us so many times it's amazing. So I want to focus on the positive side, not the negative side, because clearly sometimes it feels like God doesn't answer our, our things. Well, hopefully, some of what I talk about today is going to kind of unlock some of that for you. I want to talk about my brother. My brother's called Dean. He lives in Honiton, which is not very far away. Um, and he's um, he's... He runs businesses, but he's also a very strong Christian. It wasn't always like that. When, uh, when I became a Christian and when we got married, and I talked a little bit about that, um, Tori and I were worried for, my, for, for Dean. He's three years younger than me, and uh, his job were, at that time was a croupier. Do you know what a croupier is? You know, he works in casinos, dealing and, and, uh, and, well, generally taking money off people and giving it to his bosses. That's kind of what it is. Um, and we were worried for him because the life of that type of uh, business is, you know, they go out for drinks before they go on shift. They go on shift at nine o'clock at night. They finish at four in the morning. They go and find a nightclub. They do. And it was just a horrible cycle. And, uh, and we were worried for him and we prayed for him. And it took years. And we prayed and we prayed and we didn't seem to get nowhere. That's a double negative, isn't it? So that's not very clever. Um, we didn't seem to get anywhere. And um, we, 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 would, we would be praying for him and, we, and he would come to our house and he'd stay. One time he came and he, he said, oh, he'd finished a job on some ship somewhere and he, and he was in between jobs. Can I stay with you? Well, we had just, just got married by this time. So we'd been courting and all of that. We'd just got married by this time. We had our first flat. It was horrible, cold, one-bedroom flat. And, uh, and Dean says, can I come and stay with you? And, uh, and we said, yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's all right. We'd want to be hospitable. Uh, and he, you know, it should just be for a few weeks. Well, he was there for three months on our sofa, sleeping in the living room. You know, we had the one-bedroom. Um, and, and we would have long chats about God and he would go, I know it's right, I know it's right but it's not for me and then years later we would, uh, one time we went to uh, at Christmas we, went, we often went up to uh, Tory's family for Christmas and that's in Norwich and this one time Dean, again, similar situation Dean says, oh, can I come to you for Christmas? Well, actually, we're we're way off, you know, we're over in Norwich, and uh, he said, and uh, so we asked permission from the grandparents and said, you know, can my brother come? Yeah, that's all right, fine. And he's not at all religious in any way. He came, and the, he was a vicar. Um, Tory's granddad was a vicar, uh, and they're all the whole their whole family are Christian. 
so very different to my upbringing. Uh, and Dean said, yeah, okay, we'll come along. So anyway, he disappeared on Christmas, Christmas morning while we went to church. And, we, you know, he just wandered off. He came back. He'd been to the cathedral in, in, in Norwich. And he, and he came back and he said, I met God. He said, God came and met me. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing. Fantastic. Praise the Lord. But he didn't become a Christian. And we were just like, what? How can that? You know, how can someone who he openly said he met God and yet, no. It took probably another three or four years and we were having a Bible study in our house. It was a business-based one. I've always been in business before, um, before giving up everything uh, for fostering. Um, and it was a business-based Bible study in our house. We lived in Blanford at the time. And Dean rang up and said, oh, I'm on my way to a party in Cornwall. Can I stop off at your house? So he's coming down from Leeds to, we were in Blanford, and he was going down to Cornwall, so he said, good stopping off place. I said, well, you know, we've got a Bible study this, this evening. You know, you're just going to have to roll with it. And he went, yeah, okay, that's fine, that's all right. And he sat at the back, and uh, these, these guys uh, were talking about nothing amazing at the end of the at the end of the Bible uh, the Bible meeting, Dean said, "I gave my life to the Lord." He was just crying. God just again just met him, but this time, in a way that he could understand, in a way that he could connect to. And but that was I've told you in whatever that is five minutes, ten years plus of praying. But God came through, and that's what. We need to do. We need to keep at it. We need to keep on, keeping on. A bit further on in Luke, if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Luke 18. This is what Jesus tells us to do. Then Jesus told, it's right at the beginning, uh, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. And quickly. That isn't how it always feels, is it? But that's what Jesus tells us. And actually, these, these, these are promises that we can stand in and expect Jesus to come through. That God will answer our prayers. That God will do those things that we're knocking on the door for years, you know, weeks, months, years. He will expect it. But it is hard when there's no answer.
And we in our family have um, probably had, I don't know, everybody has troubles, don't they? Um, we had a, a daughter who was quadriplegic, uh, and I say had because she died five years ago. And we prayed and prayed and prayed. We even had visions of her walking, which she'd never, ever walked in her life. Um, uh, we were at a conference uh, where Tori was in the main auditorium and I was in the creche with our daughter. And we both had almost the same vision of us walking with Lena. And yet, that never came about. And we wonder, what is God up to? What is God up to? Oh, and, you know, most often we will never know. But we, we take heart in that we know, I'll just give you, I, there's all sorts of things that came out of Lena's life uh, and her time with us, and she, she was adopted, um, and, and what God did. But just one little thing. Um, one little story that our friends uh, when we were in Cambodia uh, very good friends, family to family their kids grew up together basically while we were there um, they, because of us adopted a disabled child they were struggling as well with a similar, similar uh, with, this was a child with cerebral palsy and couldn't speak and a bit like Lena but actually a little bit worse um, and my wife, Tori, I said she went on all these courses. She went off to Philadelphia to do a course for kids with cerebral palsy and helping them to teach so they can begin to move their arm that doesn't move properly or, or uh, uh, doing exercises and, uh, and things for these kids. Now, that dropped a little kind of... What's the right word? ...idea into our friend's... Um, Minds, they now run uh, a, a school for disabled children in Cambodia. Now, you, you, you may have seen some of the stuff in the third world. Well, kids in Cambodia who are who are disabled are left to die because they cannot. The the the, the, the families cannot afford to bring up these children. It just is too expensive, literally, unless the ch kids can begin to make their own way in life at some point. So they do literally just leave them to die. But our friends are running this school for disabled children called Lena's Hope because it was Lena who gave them the idea and the hope to actually build this. And the impact is just mind-blowing. But so often when God doesn't answer, we don't see what God is doing or in his big picture. So we have to accept and, and let, that, let him be... God. Because he is just God, isn't he? We have to trust him. Although that is very, very hard. I remember reading a book years and years ago um, by uh, a guy called Paul Youngie Cho. You may have read, you may have heard about him. I remember him saying in, in the book, um, when there's a problem, when there's an issue going on, you stop. And you pray. And you pray until, in the spirit, you feel a movement. Now, I don't think I've ever prayed like that. Now, I've had 
we've, we've had times where we've prayed, prayed into difficult situations and we've had answers. But I don't think I've prayed without ceasing until I've, I've seen that answer. I've, I have seen answers. And I just think, wow. That's taking it seriously. That's keep calm and carry on praying. And we see, don't we, um, in, in our scriptures that, that Jesus says the same, same things. If we look at Luke 6. If we look at Luke 6, six Jesus went away. I mean, it's... Um, It says Jesus, Luke 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out onto a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. How many times have you spent the night praying for God? I, I, would, I mean, I've been involved in 24-hour prayer things where we've done an hour at a time and things like that, but I've never spent my whole night in prayer for God. And that's taking it seriously. That's what we're called to do. Paul and Cyrus in, in Acts 16, um, that's the bit where they're, where they're, where they're, where they're in jail. And, and they're singing and praying to God at midnight. So clearly they're praying through the night, aren't they? Um, and it, 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 it brings out one of those other questions. Well, how come they get answers and I don't? You know, another one of those questions that just come up. Why do they get answers and I don't? Because the disciples struggled too. If we're to turn to Mark chapter 9, verse 25. This is the one where... You know, the story is all around. The disciples have already prayed for this child, and it didn't work. And Jesus gets um, Jesus gets frustrated, um, and he, so he says, "When when Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit," he said, "I command you to come out of him and never enter him again." The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. Now after they had gone, all the people had gone, and they went indoors. And the, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Now you might remember that on some versions it says by prayer and fasting and actually you know if you remember your King James Version that is how it's said in the King James Version um, it says on the notes on this version this is the NIV same as the ones that we've got in the back uh, it's, it just says on some manuscripts it says prayer and fasting now Jesus also in Matthew chapter 6, where we were before. 
says, I won't, we don't need to go to it. He, like he says at the beginning of it, he says, when you pray, excuse me, <coughs> he says, when you fast. Which is interesting, isn't it? And now that's taking it seriously too. And it's an assumption, I believe, all the way through our scriptures, that we would pray and fast. I read this book. I'm, I'm into books, right? I read all sorts of books. Um, I do read novels and stuff, but I like to le- read Christian books and learn more about it. Um, I read this book. The Hidden Power of Prayer and Fasting by Mahesh, Mahesh Chafter. And he... I'll just tell you a little bit about him. He's a, he's, he was a Hindu, brought up in India... Lives in the US now. Um, and he, like is happening all over the world, had a vision of Jesus. And so when he, was, when he was in his late teens and he was trying to find out, so what are the answers to this world, as we all kind of do a bit of, he had a vision of Jesus and that just completely, inver- you know, kind of grabbed him. I mean, I had, I had uh, taken to, to, to read the scriptures. He had a vision of Jesus and knew that this was the God, not the Hindus where they've got those hundreds of gods, that this is the one God. And he knew that from that point forward. And Jesus um, took him into learning about prayer and fasting and he spent 20 years praying and fasting. Um, his wife says that he was fasting for about 120 days a year. So out of our 365, 120 days a year. And he would be doing that in the spirit, working with God. God giving him the, right, I want you to fast like this this time. I want you to do that. So this is a man who's learned a lot about praying and fasting. He's also, out of that then, became a, a, a big missionary um, evangelistic type of mission, um, ministry. That was the word I was looking for, ministry. Um, and he's been all over Africa, all over the US, all, all over the place, doing kind of, you know, mission weeks and things like that, and seeing many saved and many healed. And he would have put it down to his years and years of prayer and fasting. Um, the book is amazing. It is, if, if, I, if I inspire you with one thing tonight, have a look at the book. It's well, well, well worth it. It's inspired me over many years, actually. I read it a long, long time ago. I've read it twice since. Um, because it just gives you a, yes, these things are available to us, but we need to be serious about us digging into and, and pray, into our prayer. He says we should look at Isaiah 58 for why we should fast. The heading in Isaiah 58 is true fasting. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. 
Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. As if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem to eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry? And to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, clothe him. And do not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here I am. There's a whole load of stuff in there about fasting, about how it should be done and how it should not be done. And I just want to take one or two bits and pieces out of here and and give you that information. We do need to be persistent, and I think fasting is part of that. There are... So why should we fast? Well, we should fast because we want to seek answers. We want to seek answers from God. We want, but, why, but also because we want to get closer to him. So it, it's not about bending his will. It's about, it's about being closer to him and knowing his will and therefore praying in his will. Now, there are, there are four or five types of fasting in the Bible. There's... Um, there's the regular fast, which many, many people have done. Um, you know, a day a week, a meal a week, something like that. A, a, a regular thing where you put time away and, and fast something. When I say fast, I mean to not do something perhaps that you would normally do. So that doesn't necessarily mean food. But in the Bible, it pretty much does focuses on food. So uh, um, it, it, will, it will talk about... A full fast, like in Esther. You know the story of Esther. You, you might, you know, Esther was uh, was was a was a queen of a of a. She was a Jew, and and but she was the queen to a very strong, powerful king, and she wasn't allowed to see him unless he asked her to come. And yet, there was a big issue going on in in uh, and and that all the Jews were going to be wiped out. And Esther. Um, Esther said to the Jews, she said, well, her, her uncle said to her, you must go and see the king and sit and get this stopped. And, and her, 
her uncle said to her, uh, sorry, and she said, well, no, I can't do that. You know, he will kill me. That, that, and that's what would happen. So, um, so then what? So she said, well, okay, I'll try. But you must fast for three days. Now, this was a, what they call a full fast. So this is no food or no water. And they fasted. She asked for a fast for three days. I mean, this is a very serious situation. The Jewish nation was just about to be wiped out because of a decree that the king had given. And they fasted for three days. No food, no water. And what happened? The king, when she went to see him, he said, Come, Queen Esther. I'll give you up to half my kingdom. And she was able to work through and get the decree annulled and cleared in the story. That's the very simple way of looking at a big chunk of scripture. But it started with a fast of three days. Now, Mahesh talks about in his book that fasting food and water is a very dangerous thing. And you should not do it unless, one, you think God's asking you to do it. uh, And you should never do it for more than three days. Period. Because, you know, your body starts to break down if it's not getting... You can manage with just water, but not without food and water. So kind of understanding this part, this, this how to fast, what to fast, how, is important if you want to get into this. A partial fast is what Daniel, in the stories of Daniel, Daniel says he... Uh, there are several sections where it, where it talks about him fasting. Probably the most memorable is where he says, well, I, I, I'll, eat, I'll have no wine or no meat, and, and, we will just, and I will just eat vegetables until God breaks through. And that's a, you know, that's a different type of fast and totally valid. I mean, I would say from our perspective, from, from where, where Tori and I have fasted at times, we've just fasted for one meal. And we've seen God speak. Because actually he loves it when we take it seriously. He loves it when we grab a hold of what his scriptures say and do it and dig in and, and, and seek him seriously. Whether, it, whether it's in just prayer or, or, or prayer and fasting. But as I said, it seems to me in scripture that prayer and fasting seem to go, go together, particularly when we need something sorting out. When we need an answer. So I've given you um, three. A regular fast, a partial fast, a full fast. Now in 2 Corinthians, there's an interesting one. It talks about, can't miss it out, but I I wish I could. Um, It talks about a sexual fast. Where uh, husband and wife will agree for a time to fast from their sexual relations. Um, and another one that, that, that I came across as I'm working my way through this is actually a sleeping fast. Because if you're praying through the night, you're fasting your sleep, aren't you? Yeah, you're giving up something. But I, it can be as simple as, I mean, I've been in, uh, when, when we were in our previous church, we, we sometimes fasted and prayed as a church and, and encouraged people to get, get behind that. And we would say, 
fast your cup of coffee at Starbucks or Costa or, or wherever it is. Fast TV at night. You know, you come home from work, don't put the TV on. Make the time for God. Now, and, and all of that is putting a marker in the spiritual realm. We were talking about spirituality earlier. What it's saying is, I'm serious, God. Giving up something, what, what you might say, for some people it, it could be a very small thing. For, for, a lot, for, a, for other people it could be a large thing. It, it, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's putting that marker in the spiritual realm and saying, I'm being serious, God. I want some answers and I want to, make, I want, I want to learn more about you. But, but it's also <clears> that <throat> we get closer to him because we get closer to the him in this process. Because God is interested in your heart, not in the thing that you fast or what you're doing, but actually what's going on in your heart. So setting that part of your life to one side, just for God for a while, is saying... I'm taking this seriously. <clears throat> now, it can, be, it can be all sorts of things. It could be... So, um, what, what, one of the times I, I, I was fasting was... I had an issue in my life, actually. My wife, you know, wives are really good at knowing where you're at, don't they? Uh, they you know, they can speak straight in without you even realising what was going on. And, uh, and there was one time my wife said... You know what, Glenn? You've got an anger issue. And I was like, well, my initial reaction was, of course I haven't. <laughs> because that is, yeah. Uh, but she was right. And, uh, and I sought to, to see, see, some, uh, see a counsellor, uh, a Christian counsellor for prayer over this. And he said to me, as a, you know, on the telephone, talking about when we could organise it, all that kind of stuff, he said, I'd really encourage you to fast before you come. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, I'll do that. So I was, uh, I don't know what, I, th- I don't know, I think I just fasted for one day. Um, and I was going to see him the following day or something like that, so I fasted the day before. Now while I was fasting and taking some time out for prayer, God gave me a little picture of something that happened when I was ten years old. And so when I went for prayer, I was able then to say, God's given me this picture. I, I don't really know what it means, but, and, and then we just talked through that and worked our way through it. And, it, and what God showed me, I'll, I'll tell you, um, uh, I was 10 years old. My, uh, my dad and mum had split up when I was about six. My dad had remarried. And this was very early on, and, and it was an incident with my stepmum. And what it was all about was, I called her Margaret, she wanted me to call her mum. Which is kind of fair enough, I guess. We were going on holiday. And um, so, but what happened was, she, she, we had, there was this standoff. I can, and I can picture it now, because God gave me that picture, it's still there, I can remember it. There was this standoff of this lady saying, you will call me mother, we were going on holiday. You will call me mum, you will call me whatever, you will call me mother. And I'm standing there going, going well, yes, I can call you mother, but I'm not doing it on the inside. Do you, do you know what I mean? We, we all do stuff like that, don't we? And, um, and that, according to God, was the root of all that anger that had just bubbled, because 
I was forced into something that I didn't want to do. I didn't want to see her as my mother because I have a mother. She lives somewhere else, sadly, at the time. Um, so you can imagine, you know, these things, there, there are lots of things that, that, that when we want to pray and pray seriously, we, we, it, can be, it can't just be for an answer. It could just be like that was. Well, what happened? What happened? What was it? There's hundreds of things you might want to do. Charles Wesley fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays every week. Derek Prince, you may have heard of Derek Prince. He fasted Wednesdays. Yeah. Martin Luther, the the big reformer, was criticised for fasting too much. He would argue he probably fasted enough, or maybe not enough. Mary, Queen of Scots, said she feared no weapon like John Knox's prayers, because he was one who prayed and fasted. So I'm going to finish with a story from the book. Excuse me. (coughs) My Hesh was was on, on mission in Haiti. It was a seven day mission. They're getting tens of thousands of people every day, every night, to the to the to the you know big auditorium that they were using, and they were praying for healing, and they were seeing many people healed. But his story is about a little old lady who came to the front. He said it was the first lady she'd be that came up on the first night, and she had been blind since since birth, and she had faith that she would be healed. So he would pray. And he said, she, he said, I would pray my best prayer for this lady and she would, God would knock her back. You know, you might have seen people go out in the spirit. Well, that, that's what would happen. God would knock her back. She would be laying down and he would bend down to her and say, how are you feeling? And she'd, she'd kind of get back up again and go, oh, I can't see. So we'll come back tomorrow. So he did this for all seven days. And you can imagine, they've got all sorts of things going on, amazing things going on, and this one lady, and he's getting frustrated with God. And he's going, God, come on, do it. On the seventh day, he prayed. And because it had happened each and every day, he prayed for her, she fell down, he walked on to the next person. As you can imagine, you know, there were hundreds of people who wanted prayer. And he, he said he felt in the spirit that he needed to go back and, and talk to her. So, so he prayed for the next person, then came back and kind of went, how are you doing? You know, can I help you up? And she said, I can see. I can see clearly. It took seven days of praying. And obviously, from his point of view, God doing something for those seven times, and yet still, it, it didn't release. Now, he says... And I'll finish with this. So later, later, as he's thinking about it, he's saying, I wondered many times about the seven days I had prayed for that blind woman, and suddenly I found myself reliving those times in living colour. Only this time I knew I was seeing through the eyes of the Spirit. 
As this woman came up for prayer in each service, the Lord showed me that there was a creature that looked similar to an octopus with several tentacles wrapped around the woman's eyes. Every time I prayed, the anointing of God would hit her and knock off one of the tentacles. And in that last service, the woman came forward with a single tentacle still wrapped around her eyes. It was like a spirit of blindness, the main demon that had kept her bound in the world of darkness. And when I prayed for her on the last day, that last tentacle came off and she could see clearly. That's amazing. And true and verified and all, you know, doctors verify that all that really happened. So that's what can happen when we get serious about praying. And I want to encourage you. I know some of you here pray are very serious about praying. Um, but I encourage you to carry on, to keep calm and carry on praying. Thank you. Thank you so much, Glyn. Plenty of food for thought. I wonder if we're allowed food for thought, if we're meant to now be fasting. Somebody did say as their own first step in terms of uh, seeking to fast that they would try it initially in between meals. I'm not too sure uh, how helpful advice that is uh, for you. It starts with relationship, prayer, relationship, doesn't it? And two words that have struck me, struck a chord with me, are that whole encouragement of persistence. That's been a recurring theme that Glenn has brought to us. And secondly, the when, not the if. And maybe particularly with the fasting accompanying our prayers. Throughout this two-month series on prayer, we haven't actually uh, built in anything on fasting. And the more that Glyn was, uh, was praying it through about what to, to share, uh, from where he started, God's taken him off on another tangent and another tangent. And I think that's been so helpful for us. Take that back to the Lord as to what he may well be saying to you. It's a when, not an if.